So this series, Lymph Nodes, is about a couple of different words, um, being that the word limp, L-I-M-P, to walk with difficulty, typically because of a damage or stiff leg or a foot. And a node is a point at which lines or pathways intersect, a branch, a central or connecting point. So we are at a connecting point in our lives here in 2020, and it's a crossroads event where that we got a decision to make, and we got to decide what we're going to do. And we're taking this from the story in the Bible. It's in Genesis chapter 32, verses 22, and we're going to read these verses and just talk for a few minutes about one part of this. So Genesis chapter 32, verse 22. That night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and eleven sons, and crossed the ford at Jabbok. And he had sent them across the stream. He sent over his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of his hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, What's your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcame. Jacob said, Please tell me your name. But he replied, Why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for the kids of the Bridge Church. Lord, we thank you for an opportunity to serve in your kingdom. God, help us to do what you've called us to do. And God, we pray today as this series, Lent Nodes, goes through our body here at the bridge. Lord, that you would allow us to live out our faith with the things that you've called us to do. And God, we would be your people, and you would be our God. And you would bless us, and we would be blessed indeed. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody says, Amen. So last week we talked about how Jacob isolated himself and he set up the stage for God to show up and prepared a place to meet God and how that sometimes when we isolate ourselves or back away or take a deep breath that God will show up when we invite him God will always walk through an open door when you make a way for him to a point in your life and when we back away from our normalcy, from society, from all of our friends, from all of our relationship, from our family, and we isolate ourselves. There's moments that Jesus did that, that he would go up on the mountain to pray and he would go alone. Sure, sometimes we know that he invited a couple to go along with him, but he would go even farther. And Jesus is the perfect example for us to follow. And in saying that, Hopefully this past week you've been able to isolate yourself, that you've been able to back up, take a deep breath in the midst of 2020, and you've allowed God to speak into your life. That you've actually invited him to wrestle with you, 
How many invited God to wrestle with you this past week? If you haven't yet, you need to. Because when we invite him, he comes. And Jacob was here in this place in his life where that he didn't know what the future would hold. Everything that he had become normal with, with his father-in-law, of all the things that Jacob had been through in his life, and he found himself wandering in the wilderness, heading for this direction, heading back home, and not knowing what would happen. So as he gets to this point, and he separates himself from his family, and he sends them across the stream, and he stays here alone, he, he meets with God, and, and we know that when he invited God, God come down and wrestled with him, because we see in this text that Jacob says, I saw God face to face, and yet I lived. God is not looking to kill you. Somebody say amen. God is not intending to kill you. He comes that you may have life and have it more abundantly. He didn't come to take you out. He come to bring you in. And that's two different things. So as God is preparing you, he's inviting you and you're inviting him. And whenever he's in the ring with you, sure he's going to wrestle with you. This week I want to talk about learning to walk with a limp. Because after you meet God, you should not be the same. Amen? After you come into a relationship with Jesus and you invite him in your life and you ask him to come in and change you from the inside out, we should know and understand that we should be different. The Bible says come out from among them. Amen? He tells us to be holy, to be separated. Amen? So as we are experiencing God, he should be changing us from the inside out. And when we meet with him, we should know that our walk is going to be different. So Jacob had met God here and he wrestled with him, yes. But what happened? God is wrestling with Jacob and it says that Jacob was holding on and Jacob was uh, clinging to him and was not going to let go. And he was trying to overpower God. How many of us is guilty of that? Amen. How many of us has got my way? I, I want to do this my way. And when we become to wrestle with God and we tell him and we go to him and pray what, uh, to God, we'll actually have a whole litany of, of these items that we want and we tell him and we request all these things and we tell him exactly how we want it to work out. And as we're wrestling with him, we're actually telling him what we want. Amen? When we should be going to him and asking him, what do we need? Amen? If you want to wrestle for any way, anything at all, let go of your own ideals, let go of your own will, and say, not my will, but his be done. Amen? If we're going to be like Jesus, we might as well be like Jesus. He was hanging on a cross. Did he want to be there? No. He said, this burden is heavy. He, he, he knew the situation he was in, but as he was there, he was hanging on the cross. He actually said, not my will, but yours be done, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And the weight of the world that's on our shoulders, we get weighed down too. But we have to come to this realization that I've got to give up my ideal and my way for God's way. And as you do that and as you wrestle with God that way, I promise you this, he's not going to let you go on through life just nonchalantly working and walking through life, doing your own thing, doing everything you want to do, and not ever give you any input. How many believes that God will let you know what you're supposed to be doing? 
He's got a desire for your life. He's got a will for your life. And he will let you know it's not a secret. He's not holding back. He's not saying, well, I'll give it to you later. Or I'll let you know later. He's telling you right now, I've got a will for your life. And if you'll listen, I'll tell you. If you will make a place for me, I will let you know. So as we wrestle with God, how much do we hold on? How long will we hold on? In our Christian walk that we're living and walking and breathing today, how much are we holding on to God? Jacob's story was he wasn't going to let him go. How determined are you today to not let God leave your life? To not give up on this walk and say, it's just too hard. I'm going to give up. I'm going to go back. I'm going to do it my way. I'm sick of living this Christian life. I'm going to go back to the world I was in before. You have to be very cautious with that because Jesus said that when we go back on God and we open up the door to the devil, that he brings back seven times more than he left with. Amen? So when you evict the devil out of your life and you become a Christian, you say you're no longer welcome here. You need to keep that door where the devil can't get back in. Amen. You don't need to give him room in your house because when he comes back in, he's not coming back in alone. He's bringing seven of his imps and he's bringing seven times more upon you than you had before. How many had a better life walking in sin? <laughs> Cindy, you, you just about raised your hand. <laughs> oh, she took it back real fast. The Bible says that there's fun in sin. For a season. There is some fun out there in sin. Can anybody say amen? The Bible says that. It's true. But it's for a season. And a lifelong time of walking in sin, it does not bring you joy. Come on, somebody. It don't bring you happiness. It don't bring you confidence in God. It doesn't bring you anything but burdens you down. It's the weight of sin. The Bible says let us lay aside every weight in sin which so easily besets us or ensnares us or grapple and grabs us. Sin will hold you back from the destiny God has for your life. So Jacob knew this, and he was ready to give up on that old way and go into this newness that God was calling him to. There's a difference... When you walk with a limp, you have to know the whole story to know somebody's walk. Amen? Amen. How many's ever judged somebody by what you thought about them, by what you've seen on the outside? But then later on, you got to them and you got close to them, they become your friend. Maybe there's people in this room that you don't know, that you've never uh, had a good, close a relationship with and you don't really know they're inside of their life but then later on maybe you'll get in a small group and you get together and maybe you're kayaking out on the water and, and you get to talking to them and, and you find out things about them that you didn't know anybody ever done that that's what small groups are for that's what relationship building is for at our church that's why we have connection groups it's so that you can learn from each other that we're all the same amen there's no glamour on anybody in this room we're all just humans trying to get through this life and do what God's called us to do. But there's this individual that I once knew, and 
he was somebody and on the job, you know, you seen him out there and he's he's one of them guys he'd walk and he'd be like, He had that you, anybody, you ever been around somebody like it just they just strut. You, you ever seen somebody like that? They just got a strut about them. It's like I don't think I like that guy. He he Ernie, he just looks like he's strutting around. Who does he think he is? And you'll judge somebody, and I, I, just by his walk, I was like, what's wrong with that clown? Who does he think he is? And he'd just strut through there, you know, everywhere he'd go, you'd see him, and I'd see him, and I was like, what a bozo. <laughs> but I never really knew him, and he had this air about him that he was just this arrogant, cocky jerk. But I didn't really know him. I was judging on what I saw, not who he was. So later on, I, I worked around him several different jobs, several different times, and then later on, I worked around him at a job where that it was just a few people. And how many knows whenever you get in a small group of people, you learn more about people than you do just coming to a church dinner. You're not going to learn a lot about people today unless you go sit with somebody you don't know. Amen. Amen. We get in these little clubs, and we think, I don't want anybody else in my picture, or I don't want to know anything about anybody else. Guess what? We're here together to be a community of believers that helps each other. And there's people sitting in this room that need you today. And because you're holding back and saying, I don't want any more relationships, I'm overwhelmed right now, that don't matter. God's called you to do more. And we should learn from each other. And we should guide each other and train each other and help each other and encourage one another. But this guy, when we got in this tighter-knit group, I began to have to sit in a break room with him. And on big jobs, you can go in and you know you got a break room. You'll, you'll sit around and you'll talk to the people you know. And you don't really go to the other end. You don't talk to other people. Right, Ryan? Been there, done that, right? Been on jobs. John, you've been there. But then they put us in this one trailer, and there's only one break trailer to be in, Ernie. So guess what? I'm going to have to sit with this guy. I'm thinking, man, here I'm going to be with this clown. This is going to be a seven-month job or something. This is going to stink. Anybody ever been there? This, this is going to be bad. I don't even like him. Come on, somebody. I don't even like it. Surely you guys are not like that. It's just your pastor that's like that, right? So here we're getting this tight-knit quarter. Next thing you know, we're working together, and we're breaking together, and we're eating lunch together, and we're talking, and, and I begin to get to know him a little bit. And, and then he, he, one day he opens up, and he, he's talking, and, he, and I, I, you know, just speaking and talking about things. And then he began to tell me about how that he had had an accident early in his life. And what I thought was a strut was a limp, was a hurt. And I felt about this tall. And this is not pre-Christian stuff for me. This is stuff while I've been a Christian. I should be better than that. Amen? You should be better than that. We all should be better than that. Amen? Let's let the judging be done by God. Amen? Let's lay aside all of our ideals and all of our old ways and let's encourage each other in this room today to quit looking at others on the outside when God is looking at them on the inside. So what I thought was a strut was actually from a wound. 
And can you imagine this story of Jacob here learning to walk with a limp? That he's wrestled with God, that he held on Ernie till he couldn't hold on anymore. And when it felt like God was slipping away, he grabbed it even tighter and he says, I'm not going to let you go till you bless me. I will not let you go till you bless me. It's coming daybreak and God's like, I've got to get out of here. It's time this wrestling match is over. Jacob says, nope, I'm not letting you go till you bless me. How many wants to be blessed by God? So whenever you do that, God is looking and it says, you know, that he's trying to overpower God and God reaches down and just barely touches his hip and it throws it out of joint, right? That throws it out of socket. I did that one time cutting firewood when I was young. We was cutting firewood and was in the barn. I remember it just like it was yesterday, down in that old barn down there in the field and we had to drug all these trees inside and I don't know why we was cutting them inside the barn though. And, and Dad reached over and he cut this limb and I, I was holding on to the limb and next thing you know, it, it kind of like cricked. And I felt, oh, no. In my whole life, if I get in the wrong place, in the wrong turn, my hip will hurt. That happened to me when I was little. And when it gets out of joint or out of socket or whatever happens to my hip, the pain is there, I know I don't walk like what I was walking like an hour ago. Amen? Amen. Did my dad mean to hurt me? Did my dad intend for me to walk, live the rest of my life not being able to make it? No. We was cutting firewood. You have to have firewood if you're going to make it through the winter. Right? So, as I'm saying that, I'm letting you know that if you ever see me limping, it's probably because my hip's hurting. But when I learned to walk with a limp, Jacob had to do that because after he had held on to God, God blessed him and God left. It says that Jacob was walking by a place and he was limping. And he had to learn to walk with this limp. And even later on in life, it shows up throughout the Bible that you'll see the story of Jacob and him walking with a staff and him going through regions of the country and going to the place God intends for him to be, but he's walking with a limp. And I can tell you this, that there's probably people that judged him according to what he looked like from the outside, not knowing his story of who he had wrestled with. Amen? They'll say, look at that old man, he's weak. Uh-huh. Look at that old guy, who's he limping around over there? Why has he got to walk like that? But if they only knew what you came through. Come on, somebody, if they only knew what you came through. If we truly looked on the inside of every person sitting in this room, everybody in here has been through hell. Some has been through worse hell than others. Some has come out of addiction. Some has come out of, of, of poverty. Some has come out of all types of situation in your life. And sometimes we look on the outside and think these things because somebody's made it. And maybe they're, they're, they're successful today. And you're looking at them and you're saying, well, I don't like them. They're snooty. I, I look at them and they look like they're snotty or whatever. But as we look at people from the outside, we won't know where they come from. we got to get close to learn those things. But there's a difference. And I know some people that do walk with a strut. Does anybody know somebody that walks with a strut? Yeah. Oh, are you raising your hand about him or is he raising his hand about you? Oh, okay. Oh, you're pointing at your brother. Okay, it's all good. Just call him out. It's, it's good stuff. One of my cousins... 
I, I mean, they, they renamed him. Everybody will know who I'm talking about, probably in this room, one of my cousins. His name's Doug. Everybody calls him something else, don't they? You probably don't even know him by Doug. Well, I'll say it this way. Cocky Collier. How many knows him? <laughs> you say that, everybody's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know him. Yeah, Don't know Doug, but I know him, right? I love Doug. He, but he is cocky. I mean, he's just who he is. He was born that way. I don't know. He's been that way since he was little. I love him to death. He's my kinfolk. And if you mess with my family, you mess with me, right? Amen? Amen. But there's a difference in pride and walking in godly confidence. There's a difference. And people that walk with pride or strut their stuff resembles a whole lot somebody that can walk with a limp but actually be walking in godly confidence. The gait is a whole lot alike. So as I say that, I'm telling you today, don't judge people by their outward appearance. Amen? Let's judge them according to God's plan for their life. And there's all kinds of verses about godly confidence and how that we can build that up. And Joshua 1.9, I love the story of Joshua. And in this verse, Joshua 1.9, everybody, it's, it's one that's quoted a lot. Have I not commanded you, be strong and be courageous. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. If we truly read that verse, believed that verse, and walked like we're living in that verse, how would we be walking as Christians today? We wouldn't be walking around defeated, broke down, busted, and disgusted. Amen? We'd be walking around with a godly confidence that says, I know who I am in Jesus Christ. I know who, what God I serve. And guess what, devil? Come what may, it doesn't matter because I know the God I serve. That's a godly confidence. And if you'll walk in that, it will change your ability to affect those around you. Jeremiah 17, 7, this is a guy that went through hell. This was a guy that was led captivity. This was a guy that had been prisoner of war and all these things. In Jeremiah 17, 7, it says, But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. If we want to be blessed, we've got to be confident in the God that we serve. And He's not a God that's taken away, that's at a far distance, that we can't come in communion with. He's a God that's near us. He's a God that shows up when we ask Him to come into our lives. And when we want to be blessed, we've got to be confident that he'll be there when we need him. Amen. Psalms 27, verse 3 says, Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. Imagine King David, a man of war. A man that had killed thousands because God called him to be a man of war. He was a man to bring about the nation of Israel. He was the king that was going to do the things that his predecessor could not do. Amen? So King David says, though an army besiege me. You know what besieging me means? It means when you're in a battle, and the next thing you know, you look around, and all the way around you, you're encamped around about. And it looks like the whole world is against you. Come on, somebody. David had been in that situation. And when it looks like an army is besieging me or encamping all the way around about me, what am I going to do? That's going to be like the Old Testament prophets. Amen? 
Go out there and look. And look to the hills from whence cometh their help. Go out there, minor prophet. Go out there and look on that hill and see if God ain't going to show up. I don't see anything. Well, go look again. Amen? Sometimes you've got to go back and look again. Amen? Sometimes you're going to have to go back and say, Well, I didn't see it last time, God. I don't know. But guess what? If you'll keep going back and looking to those hills, there's going to come a time where you're going to see a cloud the size of a man's hand. And whenever he comes and when he shows up, things is going to change in your situation. And when you know he's there, guess what? Confidence automatically comes. I'm not saying walk in pride. I'm saying walk in confidence. And if you want to be a wrestler, if you want to be a true limp node, Amen. If you want to learn to walk with a limp, walk with confidence. Amen. And whenever somebody looks and says, well, I think you're just a little bit too big for your britches. No, not me. You're not talking about me. You're talking about him. He touched my hip. Amen. There's an old, old song in the church they used to sing, he touched me. Amen. He touched me. What's that mean? I've been touched by the one that created it all. Amen. I'm walking in a blessing from God. Why? Because he touched me. Why? Because I know he did. You, can't you tell by how I'm walking that God has not been involved in my life? Amen. Amen. They will notice if we'll live it out. I promise you this. If you're a Christian, you're on the inspection block. Amen. Your co-workers are watching what you say, and your co-workers are watching what you do. Am I telling you I'm perfect at this? Absolutely not. Is there any perfect among us? He's invisible. He's here. His name is Jesus. He's the only perfect one here. You and I, we're not there yet. And we're never going to be until we cross that chilly Jordan and enter into heaven, amen, in a place of perfection. There will be no more crying, no more tears, no more sorrow. Isn't that going to be a beautiful thing? But while we're here, we're not there yet. What are we going to do when people are watching? What are we going to say when people are watching? When your co-workers call you out, they don't even have to be Christians to call you out as Christian. Amen? When we say we're Christian, we're putting ourselves out there to say, inspect me if you wish and call me out if you want to, and guess what? I'll try to change if I'm wrong. Amen? I'm willing to work on being a better me. You can tell them, I'm not perfect. You can declare that. You can go ahead and just tell them, I'm not perfect. And if you're expecting perfection, you're never going to get it from me. But I'm going to work on it. Amen? I press towards the mark. Paul said, amen? I press. Amen? And wrestlers have to press sometimes. Amen? Limp nodes have got to keep on keeping on sometimes. And we've got to keep moving forward. Pride, there's a few verses that I wanted to talk about, about pride. And if we walk in pride, it says, The Lord Almighty has a day in store for all the proud and lofty, for all that is exalted, and they will be humbled. If we walk in pride, we are doomed and destined to be humbled. Amen? Pride comes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Pride comes before destruction. And I'm ready for God to destruct all my past. Amen. I would like all my sins to be washed away, wouldn't you? 
Would you not like all of your sins to be in the sea of forgetfulness? As far removed, as the Bible says, as the east is from the west. That's a long way in between. Amen. I'm ready for God to move and take away all this pride, bitterness, envy, strife, division, all these things that are inside of me as a human, and I'm ready for him to wash them away. How about you? The sooner you deal with your pride and ask God to help you with your pride, guess what? He's going to be there to help you. Lip nodes ain't done. Bubba, Bubba. He's wanting to go wrestle. Well, it'd be just a minute. According to the time clock here, it says I've got four minutes. Romans 12, 16 says, Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with the people of low position. Do not be conceited. Amen. We should not walk in pride in this life, but walk in harmony. Paul was encouraged the Romans to do that. And there was a wrestler in, that I watched when I was a kid, and I, I liked this wrestler. I thought he was cool. His name was the, the Million Dollar Man. Anybody remember him? How many thinks he walked in a confidence or pride? Huh? I don't know. I, I think he had a little pride, right? I don't know about confidence of this guy. And he, he would come out on the stage, you know, and a million-dollar man was there, and he, he would come out and he would say this. He would say, everybody's got a price for the million-dollar man. And he would basically buy his way to winning. Didn't he? Surely, come on, wrestling watchers. Hang in there with me a minute. He would say these things. It's like, really, everybody's got a price? My boss says that all the time. Everybody's got a price. I'm like, no, I don't know. I don't want no price. Everybody's got a price, according to the million-dollar man. And I love this one, too. When I read through this, I, like, I remember him saying these things. You don't tug on Superman's cape. Come on, somebody. If, if there was a real Superman, you wouldn't tug on that, would you? You walk up, come on in the ring, Superman. You wouldn't do that. And he said, he said that you don't tug on Superman's cape. You don't spit against the wind. I love that, don't you? Has anybody ever done that? Just be driving down the road, get a big loogie in your throat, and thinking, you know what? I, I think I can just get it out there far enough this time. It's going to be okay, right? Roll the window down, you're there, just, and it just splatters right back on your face. Come on, don't be sitting there all holy and pompous like you are, knowing you've done it. Gross. That was pretty gross. It's even better when it just flies all down the side of your truck you just watched. And yeah, yeah it's, it's awesome, right? You don't spit against the wind. Everybody say that with me. Don't spit against the wind. That's just wisdom right there. Amen? Amen. Wind blowing your face, don't spit. It, I think he's pretty smart on that one. And he said, and don't write checks that your body can't cash. Don't write checks that your body can't cash. And he would say this, money isn't everything, it's the only thing. What a pompous, arrogant jerk. You got any millionaire friends? Anybody got millionaire friends? It, not me. <laughs> Maybe a million in debt, I don't know. There's a book a few years ago, it's called The Millionaire Next Door. And it talks about how that a lot of times the people that try to present themselves to be a millionaire and live all this 
luxurious lifestyle are usually actually living way in debt. But the millionaire next door was a book about all these people that maybe is a farmer that lives up the road that just wears bibs and just a real plain Jane and don't really show off or brag about it or anything like that. They just, they just live an honest, humble life. And there's millionaires next door that a lot of times we don't even know that they're worth what they're worth. The million-dollar man, he tried to make it appear that everything was okay, but inside he was broken. And his name was Ted DiBiase. Ted DiBiase, the million-dollar man. And I want you to know this, that Ted DiBiase is today a Christian. And he goes from church to church, and he preaches a gospel message about the man named Jesus. Did you know that? He's a Christian. He loves God. He loves people. And he's doing God's work today. Even if you've been a person with a past, maybe you're like Ted DiBiachi and you had this appearance to be the million-dollar man. You lived in pride. Today that can change. Today God will wrestle with you and change you. And he's asking us today, who are we? Truly, on the inside, when nobody's looking. Won't you bow your head and close your eyes if you will. Limp nodes will go on. We're going to continue to learn from Scripture. Lessons. I want to ask you a very simple question today. Are you walking in pride? And maybe God's been dealing with you about this and he's been he's been allowing the Holy Spirit to minister to you and he's been dealing with you about your prideful state. I don't know everybody's situation. Some of you that maybe be dealing with that, I don't know. Actually, right now, God's even telling me, won't you look at yourself? I don't want to walk in pride. And I'm asking you today, if the Holy Spirit is dealing with you, about living with pride in your heart. Today the Holy Spirit is calling you out and He's asking you, lay it down. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to us today as individuals in this room? There are some people in this room that you've been 
you've been walking through this Christian life and you've never picked up on the verses that I read to you a moment ago about walking with a godly confidence. There's all kinds of verses in scriptures about that. There's nothing wrong with defending your faith. It's not pride when God puts you in a situation to speak on his behalf for you to speak up and declare this is what the Bible says. There's some of you in this room that today you need this shot in the arm from God that gives you a boost of confidence. That you'll be confident to have conversations that you shied away from before that God gave you opportunities. And I want to pray for us today that we would become the people that God has called us to be. That we would lay aside pride and that we would pick up our godly confidence. Basically what I'm saying is God we want to wrestle until we walk with a limp. God, we're asking you to touch us today that causes us to be changed for the remainder of our lives. That God, we're at this intersecting point and God, we're asking. We're asking you to cause us to limp. Because our society and our community needs to have change agents, God. And we desire to be that. Everybody here, I want you to pray with me. Everybody say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I'm asking you, forgive me for my sin, for my pride. Boost my confidence in you. Help me to walk different. Help me to talk different. Help me to be your agent in this world. Give me opportunities to show my confidence in you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.